0: hi everyone i'm dr jessica i'm your host of this podcast the spanning chronicles living with a vestibular disorder this podcast is just me sharing my journey with a vestibular disorder and how i have been able to heal I also share healthcare knowledge in regards of all the vestibular disorders out there. And I also invite my listeners to be part of my podcast, to share their experience so we can all shed some hope and give some light to everybody out there who is suffering with a vestibular disorder. So I hope everybody who is new enjoy this podcast and those who have been listening to me for a while, welcome back. So let's get to it. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Jessica, your host from the the Spinning Chronicles podcast. Oh God, I'm tongue tied today. I don't know what's going on. Maybe because I'm really, really tired. <laughs> um, last time, my last episode was what was about acoustic neuroma, and I interviewed Megan. I apologize for all all those technical difficulties. That day was insane. Um, my video wouldn't work, and then my microphone wouldn't connect to my laptop. And then I it took me like 40, 35 to 40 minutes to even get connected with Megan. And then I recorded it from my phone and it sounded horrible with my microphone, but I got a new microphone. So I hope it sounds 10 times better. Um, today, we're going to talk about benign paroxysmal positional vertigo, BPPV. took me a while to get it together because I like to do my research and get myself um, into the point that I'm able to talk about it without reading it that much. But this is so much paperwork. So I know you guys can hear this. It's a lot of papers. So if you hear in the background a noise, I have my fan in my office because it's kind of hot over here today. And then my son is awake. So I tried to record this a little bit earlier. So I don't know how this is going to work but I hope to do my best. So, um, like I said, last time I interviewed Megan about her acoustic neuroma. If you have not listened to that episode, I really, really recommend it because she gave amazing insight. She's an amazing human being, really nice, really sweet. Um, so I'm currently trying to plan to see if I can either do a live with her on Instagram. Um, but I have to see my schedule cause there's a lot going on in this month of June, my son graduates from kindergarten. His father's day is also his birthday. So I have a lot of things going on in June. Um, so I'm trying to, 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 to see if I can schedule something with her because she's a nurse. I'm a doctor. so it's like the schedules sometimes are not compatible, but that's that's in the works. So today like I said, we're going to talk about benign paroxysmal positional vertigo, BPPV and those who have been suffering from BPPV. I hope you guys are listening. And cause I am looking forward to interview some of you guys. So I hope I have a lot of, um, approach from you guys as well. So what is BPPV benign paroxysmal positional vertigo? Um, all you guys have to know that BPPV is one of the most common causes of vertigo. So, which is those who don't know what vertigo is, it's a false sensation of spinning. So like I said, BPPV is the most common vestibular disorder. Um, but what does benign paroxysmal positional vertigo mean? In other words, BPPV, what those those letters mean. So benign. First of all, anytime you hear the word benign, it's something good, right? Not good in a way that it is amazing, but it's not malignant. Benign means it's not life-threatening. The word paroxysmal means that it comes sudden, brief spells, like out of nowhere, Positional obviously means that it gets triggered by changes or certain movements or positions. And then vertigo, as everybody knows, is false sense of rotational movement. So BPPV occurs sometimes when some of the calcium in your ear is called the otoconia or carbonate crystals, calcium carbonate crystals. That's what they're made out of, but they're called otoconia. They're normally in a gel-like structure. It's like jello. Okay, that's what—that's the best thing I can um, describe it as. So that gel is like a type of jello. So those little calcium crystals or otoconia are embedded in that gel inside of the utricle. The utricle in your ear is the structure that helps you with your balance. Sometimes these crystals or calcium carbonate crystals or otoconia can get dislodged and starts to move throughout your semicircular canals. If you ever seen a diagram of the ear, the semicircular canals look like little three tubes that make like a little circle, right? But not a full circle. That's why they're called semi-circular. And those semicircular canals have a little fluid inside too. Those crystals do not belong there. They belong in the gel of that utricle. So when those crystals move and start going around your semicircular canals, which are also in charge to help you with your balance as well, that's when people start to getting the spinning or vertical spells, right? Because it interferes with your abnormal, with, I mean, with your normal fluid movement causing abnormal sensation in the human body. So this causes your brain, I mean, causes your inner ear to send those signals to the brain. And this is when the vertical occurs. Okay. So this semicircular circular can also have, like I said earlier, some fluid in there that does not react to gravity. But the crystals do move with gravity. Okay? So those crystals inside of your utricle do move with the gravity. So according to your motion, that's how they're going to move. So when <clears throat> the fluid in your ear moves, the nerve endings that we have in our ear or in the canal They get excited. Excited means that they get like an electrical impulse to send to the brain. And this sends the message to the brain that your head is moving, right? When you move your head up and down, those little nerve endings or hair cells, I call them, um, get excited and sends that signal to your brain, letting them know that you're moving or that your head is moving. When you get those little autoconia or those crystals in your semicircular canal, They start irritating those nerve endings or those hair cells or getting them excited and sense that false information that your head is moving, even though your head is not moving. Okay, so this false information doesn't match with what your ear is sensing and what your eyes are seeing, or what your body's perceiving, or what your muscles are perceiving, or what you do, or what your joints are doing. So this information that is not correct is perceived by the brain as a spinning sensation or vertigo, which the vertigo normally lasts less than one minute. But still that one minute it feels like feels like a like a century because it's so bad. Okay, so I'm getting all this information from obviously the Vita, the vestibular disorder association. Um there's another website from I think it's a physical therapy website place. I couldn't find the link for it, but that's a whole lot of places that I got this information from. So, but who gets affected by these? By by this benign paroxysmal positional vertigo, BPPV is really common. Um, occurs a lot um, in the in the L- L- elderly population because obviously, as we get older, um crystal starts to get dislodged more often. Um, it is really rare on children, thank God, but can affect adults at any age, especially seniors. Like I said. Um, but like I said, it occurs for no apparent reason. It causes from insidious onset. Insidious onset means that happened out of nowhere. So they have found associations that this might be called patients or patients or people might get BPPV due to having a trauma, due to having migraine. This is where people who have been diagnosed with a stibular migraine, sometimes transitional to transitions to triple PD or BPPV. Um, Also, they said that inner ear infections or diseases like diabetes, osteoporosis, intubation um, due to prolonged time lying in the bed, reduced blood flow, getting your hair done in the hair salon when your head is tilted back for an extended period of time. And in those sinks, like when they wash your hairs, they have found those incidents that people... Who have suffered from these or, or have been through these situations have BPPV. Um, and also they said that there's also a correlation where you prefer to sleep if it's on your right side or your left side also can cause BPPV. So when you should seek help or where you should seek help. So when a person has like bouts or vertigo spells, um, the first thing people do is go to the primary care physician or PCP. But remember, primary care physician they're just there for like when you're sick or stuff like that. They're not well-versed or knowledgeable in these situations. So most of the time people get stamped, oh, stamp vertigo, that's it. They don't even do anything else. But vertigo is not a condition. Vertigo is a symptom that somebody feels. There's different branches of vestibular disorders that might cause vertigo. So most of the time, um, people should seek a specialist, right? ENT, orthologists, neurotologist, but where you should seek help. Um, normally when a person is suffers from these situations, um, like I said, ENT, neurologist, this is where everybody goes because once you get dizzy and get these vertical spells, you think that you might have a tumor or a stroke or anything. Um, vestibular rehabilitation therapy is a good place to start once you see an ENT. Um, I always recommend patients before that even they start taking all these meds All these meds have all these side effects. And it's funny because you take a med to help with your your dizziness or nausea, right? And it gives you dizziness or it gives you nausea. So the the secondary effect of these medications give you the same symptom that you already have, which makes it worse sometimes. So it is good for you to start with a vestibular rehabilitation therapist, which specializes in retraining the brain to focus and retraining the brain to feel balanced, balanced again, I want to say. So that's a good place to start. Um, you can also do an audiologist if you feel that you're losing your hearing as well. That's a good place to start. But an ENT, like an ear, nose, and throat doctor that specializes in ear problems, like an otologist or neurootologist, that's a good place as well. Um, but if you want to do a basic, you can go to an ENT that does otology, which is the, the study of the inner ear. Okay, so that's that's a good place, especially if they focus on vestibular disorders. That's good. So how do they diagnose BPPV? Because remember, all these symptoms, they all look alike, specifically with the vestibular disorders, all this dizziness, lightheadedness, vertigo, all this, they all have the same symptoms. One thing that they normally do when you have BPPV, they send you for an MRI to make sure that there's no tumor, there's no nothing inside of your brain that might be causing you these sensations of spinning. When the MRIs come out negative, someone when when someone has bppv moving their head right in a position makes them feel like dizzy because this dislodges the crystals um so that is a good sign or a good good sign to know that that you might have bppv i remember when i was um with my the peak of my symptoms um my vestibular therapist will ask me do you feel lightheaded, dizzy when you bend over, tie your shoes or do anything, look up or down? I'm like, no, I was able to look up and down and stuff like that. But one of the signs that they, when I was reading all this information, one of the signs that they found of a person who suffers from BPPV is when they tilt their head back to look up, that sometimes is when they feel the symptoms a lot worse than when they look down. So it's a good thing to know. So also the eye movement of of the person who has BPPV gives the doctor a clue to know what is happening. So when I was dying, um, when I was getting myself tested to make sure to see what I have, I remember he will move my head, which I'm going to get into the testing in a second to see my eyes with these goggles, right? So that's, that's a good um, clue for that. So um, the eye movement, that's what we call nystagmus. Nystagmus means that the eye starts to move side to side. These have different characteristics that allow doctors to know what ear is the crystal displaced on, right? To see a, which canal have they move into. So just by the looking for the movement of the eyes. So they have tests like the Dix-Halpike or roll test that involve moving your head to specific positions or orientations. This gives the doctors a clue to see what might be going on with your crystals or what ear it is. So this allows the gravity to move those dislodged crystals and trigger their vertical spell at the, right there and then. And that will tell the doctor with your eye movement, that will let let the doctor know what ear, what canal is the, the crystal loc- located in. But this I didn't know, which I was pretty amazed and impressed by this. Impressed in a way as a nerd, <laughs> but not in a good way. There are two types of BPPV. I only thought it was just one. There are two types. One where the loose crystals can move freely in the fluid of the canal. That one is called canalithiasis. And one that is more rare is where the crystals are taught to be hung up, like hanging, on a bundle of nerves that sense the fluid movement. That one is called cupololithiasis. So apparently the most common one is canalithiasis. That's where the crystals move freely in the fluid of the canal, okay? So with canalithiasis, canali- <laughs> this is like tongue-twisting games. With canalithiasis, it takes less than a minute for the crystals to stop moving after a particular change in position of the head that has triggered the spin. Once this crystal stopped moving within the that, that canal, the fluid settles, and the nystagmus, which is the movement of your eyes, and vertical, it stops that's with canalithiasis. With lithiasis, the crystals that are stuck in the bundle of those sensory nerve will make nystagmus and vertigo last longer. Obviously, because if they're hanging on that bundle of nerves, it's going to keep sending that signal to that brain constantly, giving you that false sense of movement. So that's when you're going to get that nystagmus and the vertigo is going to last longer than a minute. And then until the head is moved out of the offending position. So if the doctor moves your head to the left, Um, and you have cupolithiasis or cupolithiasis, that bundle is going to get irritated constantly. So not until he moves his, he moves your head to the opposite side, it's not when it's going to start triggering the vertigo. So how do they treat BPPV? So they do maneuvers to guide the crystals through gravity to where they're supposed to go. So everybody knows the Epley's maneuvers, right? Or they call canalith repositioning maneuvers, but they're different types. If you have cupololithiasis, um, they utilize rapid head movements in the plane of the affected canal to try to dislodge the hung up crystals first. This maneuver is called liberatory maneuver. Once, oops, I hit my microphone with my (laughs) hand. Once those crystals are dislodged from where they're hanging, then they will guide them to where they're supposed to go. But they have to unhang those crystals that are stuck in that bundle of nerves, okay? But the most common one that they use out there for BPPV, it's the Epley maneuver. That's normally used for when you have canalithiasis. So even you have canalithiasis, the Epley maneuver will not work for all the presentations of BPPV out there. If they do ebbling maneuver and you have cupololithiasis, it's not going to work because the crystal luster are hanging up in that bundle of nerves. They have to do first, um, what is it called? They have to do first the liberatory maneuver, and then they will have to do the ebbling maneuver. So that's why sometimes I've heard patients and I've seen them in the support groups say, saying, oh, I've I've had done ebbling maneuver, but does absolutely nothing for me. I think it's time for you guys to have a talk with your doctor and figure out if if that's the correct maneuver for you or your physical therapies as well. Um, So also before they test or they treat BPPV, your doctor needs to perform a careful assessment or neurological scan to make sure to evaluate your neck and make sure that nothing else is causing you this problem. Like I said earlier, that's why um, doctors send you out for MRIs obviously after you have all these bouts. So what happens after you get treatment? So the maneuvers for BPPV are really well effective if they do for the one that you really, really have. Meaning that if you have a regular BPPV from canalithiasis, Epley maneuver might work for you, okay? So there is a resolution of symptoms about approximately 90%, which is pretty high. That's pretty good. But there is a possibility that you might have more than one canal involved specifically after you suffer a trauma, in which case your doctor would typically have to correct them one at a time. In that case, it will take a lot longer because you have three semicircular canals. If you you take the shortest stick and you have that bad luck that you might have one crystal or two in each semicircular canal, that's going to take longer to heal, but it will heal, but it's going to take longer. Okay. After you get let's say they do up the maneuver and it's successful. After you get that treatment done, it is recommended to avoid you doing some certain head positionings for a few days um, and make sure that you follow your post-maneuver restrictions so, it won't, so the outcomes you got, the positive outcomes do not get destroyed, I want to say, because I always tell my patients, when I treat you, it's 50% you, 50% me. You cannot rely on me doing in 80% or 90% of the work and you only doing 10% because you're never going to heal. So whatever your physical therapist, your ENT doctor, your vestibular therapist do for you, even your functional neurologist or your chiropractor do for you, you have to make sure that you follow through on your end. Because remember, this is a team job, right? My case, I used to do my exercises three times a day for seven days a week, because I wanted to get better. I got better really fast because I was on top of it. I felt like crap, but I, but I put on my big girl pants and I'm like, I have to do this for my family, for my child, so let's do this, okay? So this is a 50-50 chance. This is a 50-50 teamwork uh, um, condition. Like you have to you have to do your job. So I got this information from DeVita. I wish I had this other information, this website from this other place. Um, they talk a lot about BPPV, which is they talk about other maneuvers out there that they do. Give me one second. I still think I saw it in a second. Obviously, they do at no active treatment, which is the wait and see to see how you feel. Okay, so here we go. They do also, we know that the Epley maneuver is one of the most common ones, but they have another one called the Cement Maneuver. Obviously, it's named after the inventor. So the Semen Maneuver, not the Semen, Cement, Cement. S-E-M-O-N-T maneuver. Oh, that's also the same name as the liberatory maneuver. That's the one that they do for cupolithia, cupololithiasis. Um, That's when they shake your head, they move your head rapidly so they can dislodge those those crystals there. Um, But there's another maneuver called the foster maneuver. This one involves moving the head forward rather than backwards as in the liberatory maneuver. And Epley. So this maneuver can be used for similar results of the semen and the Epley. They think that this maneuver is a little trickier to pull off than the Epley. So they have the the foster maneuver. That's a new one. So after you get those maneuvers done, they say for you to wait 10 minutes after the maneuver is performed before you go home because they want to make sure that you don't get quick spins and stuff like that or burst of vertigo. Also, they say to sleep in a semi-recumbent for the next night. So meaning a little bit tilted, like 45 degree angle. Also, they say for you to wait at least one week and avoid provoking head positionings. Um, Like you have to use two pillows, avoid sleeping on your bad side. So if your left ear is the one that has to dislodge crystals, avoid sleeping on that left side. Um, And don't turn your head far up or far down too fast. And obviously avoid or be careful with head extended position, like tilting your head back. And then at week one after treatment, put yourself in the position that usually makes you dizzy, putting yourself in that position carefully and cautiously. It is to see how you feel a week after. Okay. So that's pretty interesting to know. Good for you, for you guys to know. So there are several possible reasons that yet you might have continued dizziness after your physical treatment of VPPV One of them is that the maneuver didn't work because, um, you only did one or twice. So you keep, you need to continue treating for a reasonable reasonable number amount, about four usually attempts. That's what they say. There's also something called canal conversion, which should change the treatment to a new canal. So if they're working on one canal, let's say the anterior one, and it's not working time to treat the posterior one to see if it's the posterior. Um, They say that another problem in addition to BPPV might be going on like vestibular migraines, right? Or you have triple PD. You can also have something called canal jam, which is a narrow spot in the canal. So the crystal got stuck there because the canal is too small in that area or other complications, which I didn't know is that you're able to get surgery for BPPV. They have something called posterior canal plunging and singular nerve section um, should, surgery should not be considered until all three maneuvers like Epley, Simont, and home Epley have been attempted or failed. So surgery is your last resort. All you got to do is make sure you follow through with the Epley maneuver at home, that the therapist does it correctly, that they make sure if the one canal is not working, let's move to the other one after five or six attempts. Okay. They also think that a trial of vibration of the mastoid is reasonable. But they say that the surgical treatment for BPPV is not easy, since you're able to lose your hearing. The only time that will indicate for you to get surgery is that if the treatment of the maneuvers causes doesn't work due to ineffective of control ineffective symptoms uh, ineffective symptoms, the treatment is ineffective to control your symptoms and your symptoms have persisted for a year more or longer that's when they decide to do surgery. The surgical procedure is called posterior canal plugging. Um, the posterior canal, the posterior canal plugging blocks most of the posterior canals function without affecting the functions of the other canals or parts of the ear. This procedure poses a substantial risk to hearing ranging from 3% to 20%, but is effective in about 85 to 90% of individuals who have had no response to any other treatments. And then they have another one that is the alternative to plugging, which is singular nerve section is the main alternative. Um, The singular nerve section, what they do is, let me see what it says here. They say it's very difficult because it can be hard to find the singular nerve. So obviously I'm assuming that they take the singular nerve and they just chop it, chop it a little bit, maybe. It doesn't say what they do with it, but I'm assuming that's what it is. Um, but this say is really difficult because it's really hard to find that nerve. Um, so sorry for my dog. So, um, like I said, the singular nerve is hard to find, but there's other conditions called atypical BPPVs, like lateral canal BPPV, anterior canal BPPV, cupololithiasis, vestibulolithiasis, and multi-canal patterns. So when we talk about atypical BPV means that it's first treated by maneuvers that is treated by the typical BPPV symptoms. So they use the cement, they use the Epple's maneuvers, and they use the Femont maneuvers, but they don't work. So then um, there are generally reasons to believe that there's atypical um, BPPV. So when we talk about lateral canal BPPV, is the most common atypical BPPV variant um, out there. Many cases, as a consequence of an Epley maneuver. So, whatever the maneuver that they're using to try to fix your problem caused this problem, it looks like. And it is diagnosed by a horizontal nystagmus that changes direction according to the ear that is down. So, anterior canal BPPV, that's the other one, is rare. And a large study suggested that it accounts about for 2% of cases of BPPV. It is diagnosed by a positional nystagmus with components of down beating and sometimes torsional movement on taking up the disc, the Dix-Howe-Pike position. The cupulolithiasis, lithiasis, which is the one that we were already talked about earlier is where you have the crystals that are stuck um, in a nerve bundle. So this causes constant nystagmus, okay? um, vestibulolithiasis is a hypothetical condition in which debris is present on the vestibule side of the cupula rather than being on the canal side. For this theory, for this theory, there is a loose debris close to, but attached, but unattached to the cupula of the posterior canal, possibly in the vestibule or short arm of the semicircular canal. This mechanism will be expected to resemble cupulolithiasis Cupololithiasis, having a persistent upbeating nystagmus but with intermittency because the debris is movable. They say that little data is available as to the frequency of this pattern and no data is available regarding treatment. Multi canal BPPV, this is the one that if debris can get into one canal, why shouldn't it be able to get more than one? It is common to find small amounts of horizontal nystagmus. On or contralateral downbeating nystagmus in a person with a classic posterior canal BPPV. While other explanations are possible, the most likely one is that there is debris in multiple canals. So, so there's like one, two, three, four, five types of BPPVs out there. Um, so this is all research about BPPV. Um, I think this is from, oh, the dizzy, oh, this all information is from Chicago Dizziness and Hearing, from 2021. So that's good to know about that one. Let me see. There's another one here I wanted to mention to you guys. Those who are suffering from BPPV, make sure you follow the Vita website, Vestibular Disorder Association. Um, you're gonna find a lot of good stuff there. If you need a really good doctor as well, that's where I found my ENT and I found my vestibular therapist. Um. It's a good place to go and look for somebody. So there's also a website called National Organization for Rare Disorders. Um, I'm looking for a website here. Um, Oh, I wanted to let you guys know that they're doing investigational therapies or treatment for BPPV. So if you're interested in knowing what trials or clinical trials they're doing, you can go to www clinicaltrials.gov. And if you're suffering from obviously BPPV, like I said you can visit the Vestibular Disorders Association Vita which is www.vestibular.org or you can visit also the American Nystagmus Network www.nystagmus.org. There you can learn more also about BPPV. So it's hard because I was looking for clinical for Clinical trials at the moment, and I only found, I've only found certain ones that are growing through right now that haven't been done yet. Um, the first one that we I found is called the efficacy e- efficacy of postural restriction in treating benign paroxysmal positional vertigo is still ongoing. There's another one called comparison of home-based exercise on the posterior canal benign paroxysmal positional vertigo system symptoms still ongoing. Um, Well, that one was completed. That one was completed, but I couldn't find the study. I don't think the study was released yet. And then this other one called benign paroxysmal positional vertigo in older patients. They're not recruiting, but they're not doing anything yet. Doesn't see anything. Um, there's another one called the Epley maneuver versus the Cawthorn Cooksey exercises in the treatment of benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. That one was completed, but it has not been released. Then they have another one, says benign paroxysmal positional vertigo, BPPV training for sports medicines providers in a pediatric concussion program. They're not recruiting yet. There's like three more. Cranial osteopathic techniques on the symptoms of benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. That one was completed. hasn't been released yet. Um, Evidence-based best care practice for benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. It's completed, not released yet. And then the treatment of geotropic horizontal canal benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. That one is completed also, but I haven't found anything. Oh, the last two the treatment of the posterior semicircular canal benign paroxysmal positional vertigo completed, haven't found anything. And the last one is the treatment of posterior canal type of benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. That one is unknown, means that the study has passed its completion date and status has not been verified in more than two years. So they did it, but nothing has been done about that. So this is all that I found about benign paroxysmal position vertigo or BPPV. So I hope you guys found this really well. Um, interesting. Like I did, I learned a lot more than I thought I was going to learn. Um, I learned that there were different types of um, BPPV, which I thought was amazing because I only thought there was just one. Um, if you guys have any questions in regards of BPPV, like I said, I give you the Vita website. Um, you can look up there. If you also want to message me, you're more than welcome to. Um, you can look me up on in Instagram, the underscore spinning underscore chronicles. I post tidbits there about everything about vestibular disorders, um, motivational quotes, and stuff like that that you can take a look at. Um, you can also, I'm also part of the vestibular disorder support group on in Instagram. I mean, not Instagram, Facebook. And also, uh, what's the other one? Vestibular Disorder Support Group and Vestibular Hope and Facebook. So I'm also there as well, so you can DM me in there as well. Um, I'm, going, I'm looking for interviewing at least two people on separate days so I can have a little talk with you guys about BPPV, your journey, where you're at, where you started, um, all about positivity. You know, um, everybody is suffering with all these vestibular disorder symptoms. Um, I like to heal uplifting stories so I can, um, help people out there to see the light or, or feel positive that on their own time, we can all get there. So if you're interested, you can feel free to message me, like I said, in Instagram, the underscore, the underscore spinning underscore chronicles, or I'm going to post it also in the support groups. To see if I can get anybody who's interested. Like I said, I'm looking to about to speak to at least two of you guys. Um, and I'll send you the link and all that stuff, and then we can talk and interview like I did with Megan. Okay, so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, next week it's gonna be the interviews if I can find somebody. If not, then I'm gonna touch on, base onto another vestibular disorder. So I hope everybody has a wonderful evening. Um, Be safe. Wash your hands. (laughs) I was going to say something else. Oh, my God. Be safe. Wash your hands. Have a beautiful night. Turn on your AC because it's really hot. And I hope you guys have a beautiful Father's Day. And if I speak to you guys soon, I hope um, I'm able to share this interview with you guys in the future. Bye.